Welcome to the Next Up Podcast. For this episode, I traveled to DeSoto County in Mississippi to visit with Alex Hallmark, their Director of Child Nutrition. Throughout the conversation, we discussed a wide range of topics relevant to school nutrition professionals from menu planning to community engagement, as well as some good old Mississippi folklore having to deal with bread crusts and learning how to whistle. As an experienced school nutrition director, Alex shares her perspective on the importance of fostering a culture of collaboration and building a strong team. She also discusses her efforts to promote healthy eating habits among students and sourcing high quality, locally grown foods. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities facing school nutrition professionals and ways you can stay ahead of the game. Welcome to the Next Up Podcast. I am here in Mississippi. First time here. Been trying to get out here for years. And I have Alex from DeSoto. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing great. So tell me a little bit about you. About me. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So um, I went to school. I started at Delta State University and ended up transferring to Ole Miss. And changing my major to nutrition and dietetics and finished my degree uh, in four and a half years Okay. in nutrition and then decided to go to nursing school. What, so was it a four-year program or is it a four-and-a-half-year program? It was a four-year program. And what happened? That, changing that degree <laughs> in the middle of the, I know the that time, goes. you know. So I uh, decided to go to nursing school at that point in time instead of doing a dietetic internship. Why did you pick nursing school? Job stability mm. is what I thought at the time. Yeah. No, I have no family history of nursing. I had never had a passion for nursing. Um, my husband, which was boyfriend at the time, um, joined the Marine Corps. Oh, well, and please so thank him for his service. I will. And so I just kind of thought, didn't know where my life was going at that point in time. And, you know, everybody has always talked about nursing and you know, you could get a job anywhere. I'm very um, English, very bad at math, science. I was very, I excelled at a lot better. So mm-hmm. ner- going to nursing school wasn't frightening for me. Yeah, That wasn't frightening for me. So did that. And when I graduated during that two-year period, got married, um, he was moved to North Carolina. And we got there, and I could not get a job. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, this has totally backfired on me. And so, and it wasn't my true passion. Um, So it really made me think hard about, you know, what I wanted to do. And Do you have any idea why you couldn't get a job? The only thing that I, I didn't know anybody for one. So I was just blindly putting applications in have a nursing license, but North Carolina was part of the compact. So I could technically practice in North Carolina without having a North Carolina license. But just being, I mean, you know, if you're looking at job applications and you're in a military town and you have somebody over here who's got a license from Mississippi and living in an apartment, like, versus somebody who, they know, you know. I mean, you hate it, but, I mean, I would choose the person that, Possibly couldn't be deployed, you know, whose family won't be deployed in the next or changed in the next few months, you know, yeah. by the time you get through the training. So I got it. Um, plus, I had no experience, you know, I was straight out of nursing school, no experience. And, um, and of course, didn't know anybody. And a lot of times getting a job is about who you know. So I decided to move back home to Mississippi and try to get into a dietetic internship. So in that process, I applied to grad school, got in at Ole Miss, 
and um, ended up getting a scholarship. Nice. And got a grad assistantship. So anyway. So you got hooked up. Yes. So I was going to school, um, finish my master's for free, um, which my parents were really happy about. And um, during that time, was able to finish it while getting into a dietetic internship, and I got into Delta State's program. So finished, got half of my master's done, then left Ole Miss, went to Delta State, finished it, and during that time is when I interned at this school district. So during, and Cynthia Coleman at that time was the director here, and I came here for three weeks and just fell in love. It blew your mind. And I hear um, that I hear that all the time. I feel like when um, dietetic, interns, dietetic interns finally make it to a school district, it's like a whole different world to them. I mean, because dietetics in a hospital probably isn't that much fun, at least not as much fun as working in the school district, right? No, it's not. And I, and I think, so I did school food service before I did clinical in dietetics, but already having nursing, I knew what it looked like, you know. And so I basically did my whole food service rotation all but 40 hours in school. So I did DeSoto County, I did Panola County, and I did Lafayette County. And so I got a real diverse, you know, look at three different directors, how they did things, and really just fell in love with it. All right. So I'm going to ask you to pause right there. What is, tell me one thing you learned from each director at each district, putting you on the spot, or something that you loved about the program. The first district I was in was Panola County, which is where I live. And she is really who taught me menu planning. She And she let me plan the menus. Like, she let me plan the menus, and she let me crash and burn at what kids liked. Um, you know, during that time, I was a very healthy eater. And when I say healthy, I mean, like, clean eating. And, you know, you, you come in and you think, <laughs> like, you want to portray that onto everybody else. And... I did, I'll never forget. So I don't eat a lot of meat. So, of course, I was like, I'm going to give some a vegetarian-type option. And I did, like, a bean taco. I mean, you go to the Mexican restaurant, people eat bean tacos. They eat refried beans. And we did a uh, bean taco. It was a Mississippi recipe for success recipe. You know, I didn't invent the recipe. And those kids were like, <laughs> it was just bad. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want beans. Uh, I mean, they just didn't even know what it is. And I have a whole, like, for when I got into this job, I have another whole recipe, like, disaster that I was like, what? Story for later. But um, so she really taught me menu planning. She really did, uh, which, to be honest, is probably a huge reason of being chosen for this job because I had such a huge understanding of the guidelines and our system at that time, uh, NutriKids, the nutrient analysis software, and the recipes, I, you know, so I kind of had a heads up on a lot of other candidates. And then I went to Oxford, and I got a lot of hands-on in kitchen experience. So I really, his office is uh, located in a school. Oh, wow. And so how big is that district? How many sites? They've got, I don't know how many students they got. At the time, they only had... Three or four schools. They've built a new school since then, but it is just, I mean, it's Lafayette County, so it's just elementary, middle high. Um, and so that was totally different because, like, legit, we could be in his office, and then we would walk out and we'd be in the cafeteria. 
And so I did a lot of hands-on working in the cafeteria, so I got that experience there. And then I came here, and I was with some University of Memphis dietetic interns as well. And we did both. We did some office, and we got to go out to the schools. But it was more of like bouncing around to different schools. Cynthia really talked to us about layout and design um, because she had built this county had grown so much since she got here that she had built a lot of schools in her time here. And so she just went through different designs and her thoughts. And like, so I got kind of got that piece with her. And so I really got three different experiences with all of them, which was great for me. But while I was here, she had told all us interns that she was hiring an RD for next school year. Game so that, on. Yep, game on. <laughs> so that was October. I wasn't finishing my dietetic internship till April or May. Did clinical after Christmas, and I just stayed in contact with her. And anyway, ended up interviewing, applying, interviewing, and, you know, she took a gamble on me. And then after a year, she decided to step down as director, and I applied for the position, and they gave it to me. <laughs> so. Well, congrats. <laughs> You know, ah, so uh, I was very, very new. I had a lot to learn. I still do. Still tell everybody every day. Like, I always learn something new every year. How old were you when you got hired? Because you're pretty young. I was actually older. Like, for most, I was 29, 28. Okay. okay. I thought you 20, were like. 28 when I was hired for the district. I was 29, about to turn 30 when I became director. Oh, I thought you were 30 now. No, I'll be 37 <laughs> on Halloween. 37, man, you're getting up there. Halloween, baby. I know, I'm like, oh, gosh, I see 40. <laughs> <laughs> That's right around the corner. 40 is next year for me. Ah, uh, so you have any plans for your birthday? What are you going to do? So our state conference is always around my birthday. So I think Halloween maybe falls on a Tuesday this year. And so I'll head to Biloxi on Wednesday for the Mississippi School Nutrition Association conference. So I usually get to celebrate with all my, I trick-or-treat. We trick-or-treat in our neighborhood with my kids. That's kind of what the last seven years of my birthday has been about. And then I always leave and go to conference and hang out with my child nutrition family and celebrate my birthday with all them. So. All right. Well, how many kids do you have? And what, how old are they? So I have two girls. One is four, going on 16. And the other is seven. Uh, and we are on a new adventure this year. She is actually um, attending one of the DeSoto County schools this year, Hernando Hills, which is just two miles away from here. So it's been nice. You guys in Mississippi have a lot of Florida names because I do a lot of work with Hernando County, Florida, and there's also a Lee County, Florida. Like, so whenever like I'm talking to and you or a Val, there's a DeSoto there's County. There's a DeSoto yes. too. Yeah, it's like they're, just, they're copying Florida names. Yeah. So <laughs> I get um, I get emails all the time of. Things from either like Hernando County or DeSoto County. Yep. And I'll be like, uh, this is Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you have two kids, two girls, and you said you were getting ready to. Oh, wait. You said one was like four on 16. Going on 16. Going on yes. 16. Yeah. So, which one of the two kids is most like you? My youngest. So, she's a troublemaker. Yes. <laughs> yes. Doesn't meet a stranger. Um, energizer bunny, just go, 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 go. Uh, doesn't take no for an answer. Just like mama. So, um, I always look at her, I'm like, I don't know where you get your stubbornness from. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, while right now it is hard cause you know, you want your kids to have respect and 
it, it's hard to draw that line with a four-year-old, but um, at the same time, too, I also know that I don't have to worry about her, that she'll always be able to take care of herself. So it's a, it's a lose-now-win-later situation. Uh, my oldest, she's more shy, and um, but she is the sweetest, smartest, very, very intelligent. Um, and when she warms up to you, she can really be really witty and funny, but... Um, you know, out of the two, I don't have to worry about my youngest, you know, making it in this world as far as like, you know, mm-hmm. emotionally. She's good. <laughs> She's good. She's good. Nobody's going to push her yeah, around. She, she has so. that grit. Um, so what are you guys going to be for Halloween this year? Do you know? What do the kids want to do? So they want to dress up. Do you, have you ever heard of Descendants? Yes. I, I have three kids, so I've, I have heard of Descendants. Well, I don't, I don't know. You know, I have just two girls, so I don't know if it's a boy, girl, movie. I mean, it's very addicting. Like, We've been on this Descendants kick. Like, we've watched it a long time ago, and then for the past two weeks, like, we literally come home and watch one, <laughs> two, three. What, where were we tonight? Oh, two. I've been there. And, like, I sit down, and I just get, like, sucked in, and I've seen it a hundred times. Luckily, my kids phased out Descendants probably about, like, a year or two ago. But it went on for a while. Like, it was Descendants, like, back-to-back all day long. It's all they wanted to watch. I'm like, kids, like, there are other things that we could watch besides Descendants, but... Nope, they didn't care. I know. And then, like, I Googled it, and they said they were going to make a Descendants 4. Oh, so great. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go when again. We you know, when was it that Disney does all the announcing of their future movies, and Descendants 4 was one of them, so we'll see. Um, so who's going to be who? So Rue Sawyer wants to, my oldest is Rue Sawyer. She wants to be Mal. And Livy is my youngest, and she is Evie. And then, of course, they want me to be, um, oh, what's Mal's mom? Mal- Mal- what oh, is it? Maleficent. Maleficent, yeah. And then they want my husband to be, uh, what's the guy with the blue hair? The buff one or the other one? The blue hair. It's Mal's dad, but I don't really oh, know. I don't really know yeah, what, who okay. he is. Oh, no. that's Isn't that Hades? Yes. Yeah, Hades. Yes, that's yeah. So that's that's it. So we I, I, How do I know actually these names? um <laughs> proof that I that I've had to watch Descendants. <laughs> so they uh we actually were looking at costumes Sunday, like trying to figure out I was like, we need to go ahead and order this because Halloween will be here before you know it. Um and I'm also one of those like September Labor Day rolls around and then I put up Halloween stuff because November first I want Christmas up. So yep. So is Halloween your favorite holiday? No, it's not. Okay. I was, I was wondering because Chris, you have a orangish cup. You're wearing orange earrings. I figured she either loves Halloween or she's just repping next-gen colors. Uh, yeah. It's on your oh, shirt, too. Oh, next-gen. <laughs> yeah, I was matching the, the orange with my dress. Uh, okay, and I have this right. in white and royal and orange. and Gotcha. You know. We'll just pretend that you were represent, I, I, representing I next-gen. I was. I was. Yeah. <laughs> Florida, too. Florida, Florida too. too. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So tell me about um, DeSoto. Tell me about your program, like what are your stats, how many schools do you have, all that stuff. So when I first was hired um, with DeSoto County, we had 39 schools, um, 22 elementaries, 8 middles, 8 highs. That's pretty big for Mississippi, right? Yes. So it's the it's the largest school district enrollment-wise, but Jackson Public has more sites. I think they've got, they're in the 40s. So we're actually, since I've been here, we are, we're going to add two schools. We add one two years ago, and then Hernan- the new Hernando High. Not in, sub- <laughs> Not in Florida. Not in Florida, Mississippi. Just two roads over. 
uh, will open up next fall. That's, that's exciting. If everything goes accordingly. So Fernando will, you know, kind of reshift as far as grades and stuff and gain an intermediate school name. So Hernando High will be the new building, but the new school name will be Hernando Intermediate. Okay. Okay. So are you involved in any of the planning for the new school, like the cafeteria and the kitchens and all that? Do you get to dabble in that at all? I do. So um, I'm. they used an existing floor plan, So, and it's one that I have five other kitchens like. So I was able to come in and be like, nope, don't want it like this. <laughs> you mm. know. And so we did that. And, and they um, listened to you? Well, we'll see. Um, the last plans that I saw, but you know, I, we, I probably haven't been part of a meeting in over a year. Mm, I hear that could be quite difficult to like, as a food service director to give your input within certain districts when it comes to, you know, building new spaces or remodeling. It is. It's so it, so the hard part is if I stayed on top of it and, and demanded to be involved, it's not like that I couldn't be involved, but it's that I'm disconnected from it. And so it's kind of like, you know, I think about it and it's like, oh, I need to tell them this. Like me and Paul, my maintenance man, were just talking the other day and I was like, I wonder if it's too late to change something that I wanted to do in there. And he was like, well, the walls hadn't gone up yet, like or the interior walls. And I was like, hmm, I need to contact somebody <laughs> <else>. <laughs> Like, you know, I mean, because golly, we met, I'm trying to think two a year and a half ago i mean you forget things change you have new experiences you you know you do new things you learn new things and it's just kind of like golly it's really hard yeah i forgot um, what happened yesterday <laughs> yeah well and you know since i've been in this district standardizing things have been the biggest part you know we try to uh we're moving towards any new pieces of equipment that we order we order the same brand you know, and put that throughout the district. But you were able to pick the equipment for the new school? Yes. Okay. So I spec'd everything, threw everything out that I didn't want. Mm-hmm. That sounds like um, fun. It is. No, I, I do like the purchasing. I would say that's my strong suit is on the purchasing Spending money. side. <laughs> yeah, purchasing side, right up my alley. Um, but I'm not good at design. And, you know, and then I see all these awesome cafeterias and I'm just like, golly, I just wish I could have the creative, like creative mind to think, OK, this is what I want this space to look like. Yeah. Well, aren't um, there people you can work with to do stuff like that? There are. But like they. Again, not brought into that process. So it's kind of like I got to get the school built and then I can bring them in. And and that really was a plan. So Lewisburg, we built a new Lewisburg middle. And so I did, of course, to the cafeteria tables. I wanted the space um, to be blank that I could come back and do anything with. You know, we did do kind of some architectural work in the ceiling with some scaffolding, but um, that's really it. And after getting those tables in there, it looks like such a clean space. It's, it's kind of like, oh, do I want to come back and do anything? Um and so I'm kind of making that same plan with Hernando, just going to kind of wait, get the space in there, and then if I want to come back with the graphics and stuff. But, like, serving lines, stainless steel, just, you know, I, it doesn't need – I don't do I do not do frost tops. I don't do warm lights, like, because I think that the food needs to go back in the cooler and the warmer behind you. I don't think it needs to sit out on the serving line all day. So 
it's just like clean, you know, flat top serving lines that just look real sleek. And so that's what I like. Uh, timeless is what I call it. I, I, you go into these schools and you can tell things are dated. Um, and I like the timeless look. I like colors that are timeless, you know. So that's kind of what I move towards. I don't know if everybody else likes it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's your district, and apparently everybody likes it because you're doing really well here. <laughs> well, I try. <laughs> yeah. So so what's your participation like? Our participation so that's such a such a roller coaster with the past three years. We have pretty much stayed about fifty percent free and reduced. I would say between COVID we were pushing fifty five. Uh last year returning to full price meals. We were about at 51, I think, when the year ended. And we're last time I ran the report, we were at 50. So we've dropped a little bit since COVID. Participation, of course, when meals were free, was we dropped 4,000 meals, lunches, when we went back to pay. So do you think year. that all meals should be free for all kids? Absolutely. Why? Well, they can't, one, they can't do anything without food in their system i mean what's the point of being in a classroom what's the point of ipads and the imacs and the sporting activities and the you know everything that goes in with school if they aren't well fed and you know there's funding and there's money you know coming from somewhere and it's able to pay for those things for our students but it's not able to pay for meals, you know. Um, there is so much burden that comes with meals, and it's not just on the family side. It's on child nutrition. You know, we come show up every day to do this job to feed children, yet we become collectors. Um, we become, like, you know, looking at a child and being like, hey, baby, you need to bring money, or, you know, you're going to hit your charge limit tomorrow, and then... Once they do hit their charge limit, unfortunately, if you keep feeding them the same meal, they're never going to pay their balance. You know, and that's the sad part. Of it. That's that really fine line of walking with alternative meals and things like that. We tried that one year, and they just kept on eating. I mean, our alternative meal list was out the roof. And I was like, okay, well, that doesn't work. Like, we can't do that. Like, that's not even an alternative. It was the year that USDA made us put a charge policy out. And I was like, so we've got to figure out something. And so this year I just raised my charge limit so we have more time to collect the money. And we've, since COVID, we've had a ton of donors come in and want to donate money and stuff that have helped with those negative balances. Uh, but it's just it's just so hard. And it, and it that shouldn't be a burden. Any, nobody should show up to school and have to worry about that. They should just know if they want to come to the lunchroom, they can get a breakfast if breakfast is offered at their school and they can get a lunch and it doesn't matter if they left their lunch at home no big deal they can eat lunch in the cafeteria they don't have to worry about it and it really is a burden on students you know unfortunately and I mean it's sad for parents that they put their kids in that situation but you know that's just the world that we live in and I don't think that um you know that should be something that they have to face on top of everything else agreed do you do breakfast in the classroom so we did some breakfast before COVID, no. Um, of course, COVID, we did a lot of things we never thought we would ever do. 
Uh, some schools will have their kids come through the line and take it back to the classroom. But I don't do any carts out in the hallways anymore. We just have so many issues with point of sale, like moving the point of sale around. And most schools, the kids can come through the cafeteria, pick up what they want, and then they can go to their classroom. And there's kind of no different than doing it out in the hallway. And we can ensure that we have a true point of sale, and we can also ensure that food safety, you know. And that's my biggest concern when we move it is just having to worry about keeping the food hot, keeping the milk cold. Um, it just takes too much manpower, you know, to move the breakfast out into the away from the serving line out into the hallway. And we don't feed that many more students. Gotcha. So let's talk about these point of sale issues that you're having because I'm a, I'm a nerd. I like IT stuff. <laughs> so what, what are the challenges that you're having and how could somebody out there provide you a solution? So point of sale issues. Well, the biggest point of sale issue is training. And that's just simply due to turnover. You know, any kind of software that you operate, you have to know how to operate. And the more you operate it, the better you get at it. So when you're having a lot of turnover since, you know, for the past three years that we've had, you know, retraining people to cashier is the biggest hiccup. Middle and high is the hardest because those kids come through so fast and they, you know, they punch their number in and go. They don't wait for you to say, okay, got you. And so when you get to a child that either doesn't have money or you can't charge or they didn't punch their number in right and you have to, like, catch them and, you know, it just, it's what I tell everybody. Even if nobody was rushing you, you rush yourself in those situations, you know, because it's like they're wanting to get through, you're wanting to get through. We know they only have, like, 20 minutes to eat. I do feel like if there was more time given, for middle school and high schoolers to eat, that maybe you would probably have less point of sale issues because people wouldn't feel as hurried, you know, that kids could come through and actually take their time and picking up their lunch. They could take their time and everything just wouldn't have to seem like constant, you know. And, um, you know, that even though it may not be as stressful in that situation, anytime you're at you're working at that high level of adrenaline, that's a that's a stressor, you know. And over time, that just wears on people, and it wears on their mind. It wears on their work, you know, values and ethics. And, you know, and, and, and so by the end of the year, you really start to see it and take effect. And, like, you know, we're almost to the finish line. But um, that's really the biggest issue. Um, so it's more or less the training and not the actual hardware or software out there. Yes. I okay. mean, I think there's a lot of good. We're actually in – gonna move softwares Ooh. next year oh man that's so we may want to like we may want to reschedule this <laughs> for next that question for next year and yeah. i'll be like oh ah, <laughs> <laughs> well, well do you have someone here within your district office that's kind of that oversees training or was that like you too so i my office is set up so i have a tech so he kind of handles all the computers and the keypads and the manager's computers and the software. And that's Tony, 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 right? That's Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> and then I have five area supervisors. So I like to think of the five area supervisors as mini me's. So like if I was in a smaller school district, things that I would be doing if mm -hmm. 
I was them. Like, you know, I would be playing their part. So the schools are divided up between them, and so they oversee those schools. Training over the last three years has become an issue because they're more or less acting as substitutes and having to fill in where we're either short-staffed or, you know, somebody's out or something like that versus being able to actually just go into a school and say, hey, this is what we're going to work on today. And because we're so short-staffed, the manager is really having to be more on the floor, which we call them team leaders in our district. Um, But they're having to be more on the floor than being able to, like, work on the side with the supervisor or, or get things done in their office that they need to get done. And so that also poses another, you know, hurdle to training. Uh, last year we did purchase everybody a camera um, so we can have virtual meetings and do trainings that way. Prior to COVID, I had a once-a-month manager's meeting in this office. Um, but, you know... With anything, like COVID has made everybody go virtual. Like, and, and it's like going back to in-person is, is not even thought about. Like people can't even fathom it. They don't understand. Well, we can just do this virtually, you know. So quick question before we, before we move on. So, yes, COVID did introduce like virtual meetings and all that. But in your opinion, when you can be in person, like if this podcast was done virtually, would it have been as enjoyable for you as it is now doing it in person? Absolutely not. Okay. So, and that's what I've said. There's some meetings that can be virtual, and I think that should be virtual. And and for those meetings, technology is fantastic. And then there's some that just can't be, you know, because the thing with the virtual meeting is you're never just in a virtual meeting. You, you've, got a, you've got a virtual meeting playing in the background, and you're still doing your job. And if you're working from home, you're doing laundry, you're cleaning while you're listening to your virtual meeting. Versus if I'm sitting in a training room, I can't be doing laundry and I can't be doing other work. I got to be sitting there doing that training. And so it's not as effective um, as far as a training tool. I, I I just don't believe it is. But as far as like meetings, if you just need to meet and go over a few things, it, it can be very effective because sometimes in meetings, in-person meetings, people want to talk too much and people seem not to talk as much on a virtual meeting. I don't talk on virtual meetings so, unless I'm the one holding it. <laughs> so they can be a lot more efficient and you can get things done on your agenda versus, you know, it being in person. So, you know, I go back and forth as far as what I think my team leaders need. Our inventory, you know, menu planning, everything is on the computer. So our team meetings can provide a lot of training in there. But I also think just being together as a team a few times a year is also very important. So, you know, we have a beginning of the year training and to not be in another room together until the next year, I don't think is good. You know, I think there's got to be some kind of pull, okay, pull us back together, a few team meetings in between, pull us back together, a few team meetings in between. Yeah, so so being in person helps create more rapport among the team. Um, you just get to know each other. and people, can, people are more willing to get involved, like you said, if they're in an in-person meeting. And they're more interactive. More interactive. You know, I get no questions on Teams meetings. Yeah. And then in here, um, they're like... Yeah, everybody has something to say, you know, every, which is actually every, what we want. Everybody has something. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I'll be like, 
no questions. Everybody's understanding this, you know. <laughs> Crickets. And they're all just sitting there. Yeah. So. All right. So so back to your supervisors being in schools, um, really running. You said your team leaders have to be on the floor, right? So it puts a strain on your supervisors because they're really doing more of the team leader's job behind the behind the scenes, right? Well, really more of our team members. You know, they're coming in and acting as a team member um, when they're short-staffed. Or if a team leader is out, then, yes, they're doing both. And then they're also having to work with their other schools. And, you know, we're so large, it's we're able to pull inventory from each other. So if we're shorted something or somebody forgets something, you know, we don't have to just rearrange the menu for that school. We can most likely, out of the other 39 schools, we can pull together inventory to make it work and so they move inventory too and so they're really busy they are they stay really busy um and of course the beginning of the year is always very busy and then it calms down and they're able to get more things done and the way our state purchasing works and how we have to we're kind of in the stone ages you know so while we have gone on the cloud for orders and stuff um most school districts who operate outside of Mississippi in their, you know, software could hit approve and export their order. Well, we have to manually key it into MDEs. And so I've gotten my managers and team leaders doing that over the past year, but my area supervisors still review their orders and kind of make sure. And so that's kind of another step of extra that we have to do here in Mississippi because of that purchasing program that other people don't have to do just because we're working in two different softwares. Yeah. Yeah. Know. I got to. So tell me why your um, why you call your managers team leaders. Why was that important to you? Well, you know, I wanted their name to reflect what I thought of them. And, um, you know, the state department still refers to them as, as managers, but you know, it was like, we had a manager and a cafeteria worker. That was our job description names. And I was just like, we are more than a manager and a cafeteria worker. Like, child nutrition is more than that. And um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was just like, we're a team. You know, uh, my first year's director, we got a new superintendent, and one of his you know, well, I guess it is his main hashtag is Team DCS. And so I kind of spun it off that and was just like, you know, we have team members, you know, and that is our force. You know, that is our frontline force. Without them, this whole operation would not work, you know. They're more than just a cafeteria worker. Exactly. <laughs> Put some respect on their names. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, I did learn, like, within shortly after changing their name that Chick-fil-A uses the term team in some of their, that's what they call some of their positions. They use the term, like, team manager, team supervisor, team, you know, I don't really know all their names, but we had a Chick-fil-A person come speak to us at a conference, and that's what they were saying, and I was like, Oh, I just changed on that. <laughs> so um, you had Chick-fil-A come and speak to your team, right? Was that just because you were trying to inspire your team as far as like in leadership and that sort of thing? Or is it more because you wanted 
your team to understand that, hey, Chick-fil-A is a restaurant and we also have restaurants here and maybe we should operate similar to how a restaurant like Chick-fil-A op- operates. Kind of both. Yeah. Both. Um, so when I reached out to Chick-fil-A and had them come speak this year, you know, I wanted her to talk about leadership, but also just customer service, um, you know, because I think in the job on a daily basis, while I have some of the best staff in the world, it's just the monotony of the job. We sometimes forget not only with the customers that we're serving, but with the people that we're working with, that everybody has this life outside of this day at work that we know nothing about. We don't know what's happened. We don't know anything about it a lot of times or what they may be going through and how we treat them during that day affects that you know it affects them going home it affects you know their mood the next day you know it 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 makes a huge impact and you know let's just take a student that comes in and they left a you know very abusive home that morning and then they come through the lunch line and you know everybody relates food to comfort so where they feel comfort and the cashier yells at them because they don't have money or yells at them because they didn't take a fruit or a vegetable or just looks at them with a, you know, disgruntled look of annoyance, you know, then that's going to give that child the same sense that they left their house with. So now they don't feel safe at home and they don't feel safe at school and they don't feel safe with food, which is supposed to be the comfort, you know, which is, heart of everything yes it is you can win anybody over with food (laughs) yes you can so you know just but apparently not bean tacos (laughs) not bean tacos (laughs) oh my my other story was fish tacos (laughs) nope did a fish taco and i mean and it wasn't just children like i had teachers being like what is a fish taco and i was like what a fish taco yeah (laughs) fish tacos are good (laughs) i know uh, and it, it's, it was such a funny story. I've never tried it again because it was just that bad. And I was like, golly, I, I will never be able to do this again. You know, like, I mean, and they were really good. They were really good. But it was just people just didn't know it, what it was. And they thought it was the weirdest thing that fish was inside a tortilla shell. Yeah. But I bet you if you go to Florida with that, you're, you go to any coast, people love fish tacos. Yeah. So it's, it's funny how every district is different well not shoot from one side of this county to the other yeah i mean look i grew up in panola county and the only fruit that i can truly remember eating as a child is half of a pear with mayonnaise and shredded cheese on wait, it. wait hold on a second you say you put mayonnaise <laughs> on a pear with shredded was, cheese yes it was called a pear <laughs> salad i mean it was at every church event every family reunion every picnic somebody had pear salad and it was a half a pear with a dollop of mayonnaise and it had cheddar shredded cheese on top sometimes people would put a cherry on top yes and i mean grew up on that and did that one time and everybody was like mayonnaise on paper. yeah i mean that, that sounds pretty and I'm gross just to like, me but why we I mean, were all from north mississippi do we did we not all eat the same as a job that, that is the craziest combination of food i've ever heard of but i want to try it though pear salad i, I want to try it so it's like that sweet and salty yeah i, I mean, mean it sounds like it could work but it just sounds so strange yeah. don't do it don't feed it to children I mean, I was the pickiest eater. I ate macaroni and cheese, maple brown sugar oatmeal, 
And pear salad, obviously. <laughs> pear salad. <laughs> that's that's that like my all, son. McDonald's chicken nuggets. That was it. That was all I ate as a child. Yeah, yeah, for the longest, all my son Kingston ever wanted to eat was hot dogs. Like, that's all he would eat. Breakfast, Does lunch, and bread, dinner was hot dog. Yeah. Oh, but not the crust. So if we're out of hot dog buns, if we give him, like, a piece of bread with the hot dog, he'll peel off the crust and he'll eat the hot dog. But God forbid he eats a crust of something. It's uh, horrible. That's all kids. Yeah. You know, I can remember as a child being told that, you had to eat the crust if you ever wanted to learn how to whistle. So that's what, <laughs> what I told my kids. I still tell my kids that. Are you serious? I don't is know. That, is that another Mississippi thing? I say, uh, no, maybe just a Panola <laughs> County thing, like a pear salad. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was like if you didn't eat the crust of your bread, you wouldn't learn how to whistle. <laughs> <laughs> so I still tell my Whistling kids that. Whistling is important. That. So I let, my youngest, she doesn't care, obviously. She's like, I'll figure out a way to whistle without this crust. But my oldest, I still will use a like a cutter, a sandwich cutter. But she's like, leave the crust. So she eats her sandwich without the crust, and then she eats the crust by itself now. <laughs> like, you know. Because she wants to learn how to whistle. I don't whistle. know if it's because, I mean, if it's because she wants to learn how to whistle or, you know, it's just from eating the crust and then trying to introduce the crust back. She's like, I still want my crustless sandwich, but that's, I'll eat this crust. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So I try to, like, push the, a lot of peanut butter and jelly on the outside so, like, the crust still has <laughs> some flavor in it. Oh, that's so funny. Oh. Uh, all right. So so back to Chick-fil-A. So the it went well. Everybody loved having them oh, come yeah. in. They so, learned a lot. You know, I mean, they always just show such – they all have great stories. I mean, golly. I mean, there's so much people that work for Chick-fil-A, and um, obviously it's a nationwide thing, so people post about it, and, you know, they have so much feedback, and um, they're always able to kind of touch your heart a little bit with their stories, and that gives a lot of motivation. You know, it reminds people, and, and they did a great job of reminding people, you know, that, you just, you don't know the situation anybody's in. And, you know, showing up and, and giving the smallest thing is a smile can make the world a difference to it somebody. It could change a kid's whole day. Just yeah. smiling at them. Go yeah. to the lunch line. What also blows my mind is, I know I've said this before, like, I can't believe how many team leaders I meet or team members I meet in these different cafeterias or restaurants or whatever they want to call them that know every child's name as they come through the line. It blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was first hired here, I remember Cynthia, she would call, be able to call out employees' names, you know, and I'm sitting over here and I, I couldn't even remember all 39 schools' names. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I'm crazy. Like, but after two years of being director, I was very amazed at how many names that I knew. And so I get it working in it. Um, you know, because they see those kids' faces every day. Mm-hmm. and They're part of their life. They're part of their life. They are. And so, you know, after a while, they remember a lot of their names. Yeah. And, you know, and talking about customer service, too, I do want to add, I don't get a lot of customer service complaints. Um, you know, I don't get a lot of calls that my staff is mean, you know. And um, a situation here and then, obviously, 40 schools, 250-plus employees. You know, mm-hmm. everybody can't be perfect. Yeah, you can't please everybody. But, um, you know, I would say as far as overall, you know, that we we really go above and beyond. And my staff loves their job. My team leaders love their jobs. And you can tell, you know, you can tell that yeah. in the way that they lead their kitchens. That's great. 
So tell me about something you're excited for this upcoming school year. And wait, are you actually, are you back in school yet? When do you start? Yes. So we started August 3rd. It was a Thursday. Okay. How did so it go? We, we never start on a Monday. Yeah, um, my kid started on a Thursday, which is kind of weird to me. Yeah, but so whatever. we always start at the end of the week. Um, I asked the first time we did it, and they were like, well, it gives you two days, and then it gives you two extra days over the weekend to, like, correct any issues before Monday starts. Versus if you start on Monday, like, you don't have time to correct anything because you still got four more days to go before the weekend. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Um, it, it really has been great. We've had a great startup, besides just being short-staffed at some schools. So if you're listening to this and you live in Memphis, North Mississippi area, and you want to come work for DeSoto County School District, we are hiring. There you go. Yeah, and start at like 1246, I think an hour. Um, can bring up to five years of outside experience. Or if you've worked in a cafeteria, you can bring all that experience. Are you hiring for team managers, team members, team leaders? Or team team members? members. So we do a lot of times like to promote from within as far as moving from a team member to a team leader. I don't know if that's always the right decision, but, you know, at least moving from a team member to a team leader, you've walked in those shoes, and coming from the outside in, that was a huge, like, battle that I think I still probably face. I'm in my ninth year, is that I've never walked in their shoes. Mm -hmm. And there's a level of respect, and... um I don't want that to have to be a, a something that my team leaders have to worry about earning because I put them in a position like that. Yeah. And so we have a bunch of talent, a bunch of very intelligent, you know, people in our district, team members that I feel I would rather give the opportunity to promote within and move up in their leadership than to pull from the outside. Totally respect and understand that. I agree a million percent. So Yeah. So uh, what are you excited for this upcoming school year? Is it the big POS change, the technology change? Mm, not, or not excited <laughs> or are you about that. that? <laughs> not excited about that. <laughs> I'm excited because I, I love technology. I'm a nerd like that. And uh, I think we're going to be able to do a lot more things with it. But, you know, it's just the training, the the training and the curveball, like of just getting everybody over that hump. And, you know, when you say change, there is, 50% automatic negativity, you know. Until they start more. using it, and yeah. then they fall in love with it. And we just changed menu planning inventory software. Last year was our first year. Um, we used Titan. And the only reason I won them over so fast in that is because of the production record. Because in Mississippi, um, the Mississippi Department of Education sends us a production book a.k.a. Red Book, and you have to write down everything. So you have to write down every mm -hmm. recipe, every ingredient. And so it's a lot of just before you can even do the work in it, you have to write it all down. And with obviously with, you know, production records that are on the computer that pull straight from your menu and your recipes, you don't have to. All you do is basically have to put what you served, what yeah. you planned and what you served, yeah. and what you had left over. And like, so that won them over real fast. So Titan went well. Yes. Good. And it's it, you know, there's only one issue I have with Titan, and it, it is, it's, um, I won't discuss it on here, because it's really, <laughs> I mean, because it's, it's a, it's, it, to be honest, it's a stupid issue. Yeah. You know, for all, for the software that they have is so amazing, and the capabilities of it, and you can't print a one-page menu. Mm. 
Yeah, it does seem like something that should and be able to be done. So the production record, if you go online to look at a school's menu, it reads straight from their production record, which is awesome because like if I have to swap days or change up items, my school, if they go to their school and look, it'll show if the team leader has updated their production record. But the thing that I can't do from that screen is print a one-page <laughs> menu. All right, so talk, and if you're out there listening, Link, pay attention. Great oh, job at the Soto, uh, but let's get some one-page production records yes, being able to be printed. Yes, so we have, we have already been in that conversation um, this year. And so I feel like they will move towards it eventually. I, Wait, you know what? It's, it's, it's there. It's important that you said it because I'm sure there are other people out there that probably want a one-page production record to be printed. And when they hear this, maybe they'll speak up too and maybe they'll actually get what you want. Yeah. So I used to work for a software company. Like I've also been at, um, a Tony, Tony, Tony in my previous district. So there's a ton of great software out there and nothing is perfect. But what I've come to realize in being their customer and actually – being on the semi-industry side now is they all just want to help. So you like whenever people out there need a solution, you got to tell these these techie people because they want to provide it. Now, yeah. when they're going to provide it and how quickly and how it's going to look, that's kind of up to them. But they all genuinely, from what I've seen, they want to help. Yeah. Well, and I think the people like you and Tony that are working in the software, you're absolutely right. But then I think there's this like big person at the very top that, really is the boss, but really does is probably never operated the software, mm -hmm. you know, of how it's supposed to be utilized. And the one thing with Titan is Link buying, you know, buying it out. And they also bought uh, School Nutrition and Fitness. Yeah. Well, guess what you can print, where you can print a one-page <laughs> menu from? <laughs> On SNAF, really? School Nutrition and <laughs> Fitness. But guess what you got to have to do it? Yeah. You, you got to have two different software. Yeah. And, and that's just ridiculous. You know, it's ridiculous. I'm assuming that they're probably working on something. So um, they've already know how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> now the whole world knows how you feel about it. <laughs> now they better do it. <laughs> I know. So anyway, so I have to type up a, a one-page menu um, in Excel and make it a PDF to post on my website so my parents are happy. Um and then, obviously, if things change at a school, those changes aren't reflected. And, th and that, you know, that was a huge reason for choosing Titan, yeah. too. So it's kind of, it was it's frustrating um, because I loved how production records were real-time menus. That was like a selling point. Mm -hmm. And I never thought asking, well, can this thing print on one page? <laughs> yeah. Would be an, was, was yeah. like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, this software can do everything that you want it to do except print a one-page <laughs> menu. Like, I mean, you... It's like, come on. So have you looked at actual, like, web menu solutions? I know there's a few out there. So, like, how SNAF used to be. Well, there's other companies out there that do something very similar that may be a solution. I don't know. Well, I, yes, I think there's a solution for a price. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I just can't, like, school nutrition and fitness can offer my solution. But I'm trying to think, I mean, the price they gave that it was going to cost me was absolutely outrageous really? just to have a, just to be able to print a one page menu. I can't, mm -hmm. I could buy, I could buy four ovens. For the same price as yeah, I can getting a one page I can, menu. I can type a menu up. <laughs> yeah. 
Look you at know. you using your money responsibly. You know, there I'm you just go. like, no, <laughs> no. I mean, so we, you know, I just do the one-page menu and make it pretty for parents to post on their refrigerator. And I just encourage and even put a, you know, a statement on the menu that says, please check the online menu daily, you know, just to make sure um, that the menu hasn't changed. But, you know, this is what's planned. And so that's how we kind of have to do it. But, um, yeah. Well, I'm not so, going to say any names, but I'm sure there's some companies out there listening to this that could probably <laughs> provide you a solution for a fair price. <laughs> Tighten or someone else. I'll, I'll know when the podcast has been released because <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden I'll start getting emails yeah, like, get oh, <laughs> are you seeking uh, this? Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's, you know, that's one thing I love about networking is, um, you know, in this everyday operation in business, I mean, we get hounded with emails, but that's not where I'm going to find my solution. Um, you know, we were, me and a co-worker, she's a director on the coast, we're talking on the way to ANC. And, you know, you before ANC, you get hammered, come see us in booth so-and-so, so-and-so. And it's just like, stop sending me emails. I know what booth you're in. Like, you know, like you're cluttering my inbox. And that's what we just wanted to scream to everybody. Like, don't send those emails. If anything, like, that frustrates me. Like, if I get five emails from you, I may not come see you because, like, I, like I'm going to walk around the whole exhibit <laughs> floor. Like, I'm going to see you. Yeah. I don't need an email. Um, so for all the people out there, or explain to everybody out there what ANC is, because there are going to be some people listening to this that aren't in our world in school nutrition. So ANC is uh, the School Nutrition Association's annual conference that they have every July. So it's one of the four conferences that uh, the School Nutrition Association has, and it's the largest conference. So it is filled with education sessions and a huge part of it is the exhibit floor so two days of exhibit floor where all child nutrition um industry and anybody that has anything to do with child nutrition or wants to get their foot in the door with child nutrition or thinks that they can service the school in any form or fashion can come and set up a booth and um you know it's like any kind of food show or trade show you just get to walk around and See new food items, see new equipment, see new software. You get to a lot of times play with the software, um, you know, so you try before you buy, kind of. And, but the biggest thing um, is meeting people from across mm. the country. And, and I have to ask you, uh, where is the best, what's the best opportunity for networking at ANC? I mean, there may be a, a couple parties out there. But which is the one? I mean, there was this this party this year. I think it was called like Ignite. I I can't really remember. Really? Maybe. Ignite kind of sounds familiar. I mean, I don't know. It sounds fun. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how you really feel. (laughs) Um, You know, everybody, uh, you know, it's. All the parties are great because yeah, the are. same people show up to them all. And it's what I say, like, child nutrition is the one, like, job area that across the country everybody is is just, like, southern hospitality. It's mm-hmm. like if you're not a southerner at heart, like, but it's somewhere within you, like, you go into food service. Because, <laughs> exactly. like, that's where I mean, child nutrition because, like, it, it – you know, that's just how it feels. It feels like home to people like me when I meet people from across the country in child nutrition. And um, I don't know. I just love everybody. I mean, I do. Like, 
you know, getting to go, getting opportunities to go to other outside trainings and getting to meet people. And they, I mean, they do, they become like your friends and, you know, you like each other on social media. And next thing you know, a year later, you know all about each other. And, yeah. you know, when you, yeah. now when I go to conference where I used to just only recognize five faces, I recognize over a hundred faces, you know, of people that I know. And it's kind of like what you said, like how do people remember names? But you do, you know, because you've had some kind of experience with them or, um, and you probably remember everybody's name for like night, right? So shameless plug Ignite is my event or my team, <laughs> my company's event. <laughs> everybody, I remember uh, everybody I everybody's met from that name night. At Ignite. That's and hilarious. what they wore. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's funny because I feel like most people in our industry, they they get to know each other through social media, right? And that's how they get to start building that relationship. And then when you meet someone in person, like, oh my gosh, like I've been following you. You're doing great. This is awesome. Like, let's let's be friends in real life now. Yeah. But we met differently, didn't we? We did. <laughs> we, we did. did. We did. You, you want to talk about that? <laughs> well, we met at a um, we met at one of the um, School Nutrition Association conferences not an event hosted by the school yeah we were at but we were at lac, LAC in which washington, is in washington. Yep. in dc and lincoln Yee and a couple of others were throwing a party from international food solution and it was um was it gangster themed or was it like 70s themed? i really have no idea because it was really because you crashed the party well <laughs> yes so we totally crashed the party and it was all valerie's idea yeah. so valerie is a director also from mississippi she was supposed to be on this podcast mm -hmm. um, next time next time val <laughs> we'll see yeah um so she's the director in lee county but she was like, hey, let's go to this speakeasy and crash this party. I want to go see this speakeasy. And I'm over here like, what the heck is a speakeasy? And so we just follow Val, get in the Uber, and like we get out. And I'm like, Valerie, this is like, like I don't know. ice cream shop or like a deli or something like that. It was a deli. Like a deli. It was a outside. deli. And we go in and we were like, hey. And they were like, can we help you? <laughs> What's the password? And, I, and Valerie's like, oh gosh, I forgot. We've got to like order something specific to get in. And like, I think she was like pulling out her phone and I can't even remember what we had to order to get in, but it was comical. And so anyway, what I thought was a walk-in freezer, the door opens and you walk in and it's just like this awesome lounge and there's music playing. And, you know, I mean, wherever music is, I travel, yeah. uh, you know, and so that was where I met a lot of friends that <laughs> night. Exactly. <laughs> And I have to say, like, that is probably one of the best parties I've been to at any conference. Like, ANC has some really big parties. Like, SNA did a fantastic job with Premier Edge throwing their 80s party at this past ANC. But something about Lincoln's party that at that LAC was truly epic. <laughs> well, it's almost, well, the speakeasy was fun. I mean, that, it was just fun. And then it was, like, not too large, but enough, you know, and that's what I say, too. A lot of times when parties are at too big of a places, it's harder. Like, we, I almost rather be shoved into a tighter space because it forces camaraderie. You know, it forces conversations. It forces you to meet people. It's like when you're in tighter spaces, you feel, I don't know, it, it almost feels more fun. I love that feedback, and I agree. So, at Ignite, as you know, we had three different spaces, right? Yes. So we had Mile High Station, which was like the main area. And then we had our outdoor space, which we had the Cool Trends boots. And we had like Daring and 
and Deeply Rooted was there, National Food Group, uh, Buena Vista, and JTM, and they were showing out trending products. And we had like an outdoor play space and a bunch of stuff out there, right? But then we had another room called Ironworks that Fork Farms actually was was running. But it was just too many spaces. Yes. And it, so I showed up and I didn't know where to go. Yeah, yeah. And like talking to the team afterwards, I was like, look, guys, like Ignite was an amazing success. You had over a thousand people there, went up without a hitch. Great job. But next year, let's go back to how we did it the previous year where we're all in one space. Because there were times, especially towards the end of the night, where everybody was in Ironworks. Because over there, Fork Farms and, and us put together um, Silent Disco, which was a ton of fun. And then line dancing. People just stayed there and hung out, right? So mm-hmm. it was like that building was packed. But I feel like that should have, I don't know, like it sh- that, there should have been more everybody together in yeah. one space, like you said. You want everybody you know? circled yeah. around the same entertainment. Exactly, yes. You know. But, um, but then you again, could... that was me trying to be a people pleaser, like wanting something for everybody. Like this type of music over there and this type of music over here or no music in the middle. And I'm trying to please everybody, but... What do we all know? You can't please everybody can't please all the everybody. time. <laughs> I know. I'm like that, too. It is a huge downfall of mine is I'm just like, and I think it's because I, I do it in a sense, which is so out of my personality, by the way. Like, you wouldn't think that I was a people pleaser. And there's areas in my life I'm not. Um, but when it comes to this job and my staff, I think I sway towards that because I want them to know that I'm listening. And it's, it, you know, when you're behind the scenes like in a director's role, it's hard for them to know because they don't understand all the moving parts. You know, they don't understand the regulations, the procurement, you know, and so they may voice things and you may try to explain it and then things don't change the way that they want and it may be because it can't really change. And so any time that I can, like, do something that makes them think that I'm listening, that shows them that I heard you, I do, but even though sometimes in my head I know that, like, this is not going to be the best idea or I probably shouldn't do this or, you know, but it's just that I want them to know that I am listening, you know, you know, and sometimes that's the only way you can, you feel like that's the only way that you can make them understand that, you know, is by people pleasing. Yeah, but people pleasing can just cause more problems with your people. it does. (laughs) Which I'm learning from from my own personal experiences being a young entrepreneur. (laughs) Yes. I'll tell you, because I did come in here so inexperienced, the one thing that I did that I've kind of stayed, you know, I've loosened a little, but I'm a very black and white person. And when it comes to this job, um, I think USDA has, is, is very black and white. You know, everything they give to us is in literally black and white. You know, it is a regulation in writing. And so it makes that side of it like, okay, well, this is it. And so I built policies and procedures based on that. And you built some for me too. (laughs) I can give you mine and you can kind of work off of it. So I have a whole, you know, handbook and a team leader manual in black and white for that reason. And And I go back to that, you know. Circumstances, I had a graduate professor when I was in grad school. It was when my husband was getting out of the Marine Corps. So it was his, like, ending ceremony. And, of course, it was in the middle of the week. And we had a project due that I had to do, like, had to present it. like. And immediately when she gave us the date, I was like, I'm going to be in North Carolina. And she was like, well, you'll just get a zero on presentation. And I was like are you kidding me? And she was like, I mean, part of the is presenting. And I was like, well, can I present it another day? 
anyway, we ended up working something out. Um, but, you know, the one thing she looked at me, she was like, it's not my job to say your event is more important than somebody else's. Like, I understand that she had a son that was in the military, and she was like, I understand that that's very important. She was like, but that's important to you. Somebody's best friend could be getting married, and that's important to them. And somebody could have a friend coming into town that they hadn't seen in over a decade, and that's important to them. Like, and it's not my job to say, well, yours is not important enough to miss, but yours is. You know, so I, I have to handle everything the same. And I will say that that taught, that's kind of, I've brought that same philosophy in here because, you know, people have sick kids, they don't have help, they don't, and we will work with you. Um, you know, I pour into communicate, communicate, communicate. If you communicate with us and let us know so we can plan. Um, but at the same time, too, at some point in time, their absence becomes a burden. And so then I have to start looking at their coworkers and saying, you know, I'm here for you. You know, I understand things happen, but now this has become a burden on the other five people in the kitchen, and I have to be their advocate too, you know. And so we have a black and white policy, and when that happens, we follow it. And we can sit here and say, you know, we have we walked through all the steps with you. We have encouraged you. We have tried to help you. We have done everything, but we have reached this point. And I'm sorry, but, you know, we're going to have to let you go to a, due to attendance or whatever it may be. And it really, it really helps because nobody wants to be the bad guy. But when you have a rule that you can say, look, you knew this rule. Here it is. I'm sorry. It just it gives you a backbone. And then it kind of like takes that edge off where I can't feel it. You know, it's not like I threw something at them that they didn't already know. And I'm like that, you know, I'm like that with my job. I want people to present me with black and white. You tell me I can't do something, and I think I can, because here's the thing. I'm not going to ask before I do the research. You know, like, I'm not one of those that just goes after something without having some good knowledge before I go. So then when you turn around and you tell me that I can't do it for A, B, and C, well, show me why I can't do it. Because what I've shown myself is that I can do it. So I'm going to need you to show me why I can't do it. You know, so I'll have an understanding. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can relate to you there. I uh, I hate being told no to something that should be a yes, yeah. when I can, especially when I can make it a yes. But where I struggle is the whole light black and white thing because, once again, I'm always worried about pleasing people. And some things I'm learning just need to be black and white. Like, it's not about, like, how you feel about the situation. This is how it is, and this is why, and this is why I feel you should be on board. Let me now inspire you to be on the same page, right? Yeah. But, yeah, totally get it. Yeah, and expectations, you mm -hmm. know, like, if you can get it in black and white and present your expectations, then it's like that from the beginning. Um, you know, I will say you met uh, my assistant director, Marla, and when she came into child nutrition, um, we, like, hit it off, like, our personalities right from the get-go, but the, we're, re we're really different, though. We're really different, but why is because... We could be 100% honest with each other, and but then still be fine with no feelings, no, like it wasn't personal, you know, it was work. And then we still could have our personal relationship, and and that was huge. That's tough to find, so congrats it's tough on to finding find. that person. Yes, and it's huge. I mean, to this day, like, we are 100% honest with each other, and we will argue, but then... It'll be like, hey, I'm going to get lunch. You want anything? And, like, we're, I mean, we're fine. And there's a lot of people that 
they just can't do that. They get all in their feelings and they take it personally and they don't look at the big picture and like, this is work. And she's not telling me this because she's mad at me. You know, she's telling me this because in her mind, this is what she thinks is best for our department. Yeah. You know, you've got to have shared values. Um, yep. And, then, and you've got to respect other people's perspectives because your perspective is only one, you know, and, and, you know, as great as my mind may be, haha. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to see all sides of it just, you know, from life, you know, everybody's, your experiences build your, you know, perceptions and everybody's perception is different and you need people to show you other people's views. So then you can make, you know, especially that's huge in management, you know, managing people is just trying to understand everybody, even though you may not agree with it, trying to figure out where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. So I know I, I derailed my initial question to you about what you're excited about for the upcoming year. Oh, gosh, <laughs> so, yes. so real excited. quick, tell me that. <laughs> uh, oh, lots of things if I can get them through. So I mentioned um, state purchasing, that we have a state purchasing program. So for the first time, I'm trying to do a supplemental bid, which if um, everything goes through, I'll be able to bring some awesome items to my students. So I'm very excited about that. Um, with the possibility of maybe going all state purchasing in the future, um, you know, it's like I said, I, my district is different from one side to the other. Being on a state purchasing bid, we're all different. And we're kind of held down to being able to add new items when we want or even just try new things because of the contract that we're under. And my county is big enough that I can do um, a bid separate from the state and still probably get the same pricing, you know, or decently close. And um, I think I've got the knowledge behind me now and uh, understanding of it enough to take that leap. So I'm excited about that. And then uh, looking at partnering with the local farm to bring some grass-fed, pasture-raised, so grass-fed beef, pasture-raised pork, um, no antibiotics, um, sausage and um, beef patties to the school district as part of our farm to school program. And so I'm excited about that. Um, let's see. Those are really my two big, big things. Oh, announcement, announcement. Uh-oh, there um, we go. <laughs> I'll be posting a job opening. Okay, for what? I am wanting to hire an RD um, so when I was hired for the school district and then got director, I never replaced me. Mm. And so, but I would like this person to have some culinary, you know, a little bit of culinary background because I just, I have gotten to the point that I do all the menu planning, oversee procurement, um, and I'm the director. And I've got so many ideas and so many things that I want to do, but I just don't have the time to do it. <laughs> And Welcome to my world. Yes. And so I need somebody that I can feed all that to that can make it happen mm -hmm. and and really get out. And like I told you, what my supervisors kind of are forced to do in a sense. Um, so this person's job would solely, solely be dedicated to menu planning, you know, with allergies, working with, you know, all the team leaders and, you know, getting menus and items together for those kids that have allergies and any parents, and then also recipe development, and then training. You know, I'm all all about working smarter, not harder. Yeah. And um, 
I forget that I have the knowledge of 40 schools, but the team leaders that I put in these positions don't have the knowledge of 40 schools. They may only have been had in the experience of one to two schools in their career. Mm-hmm. And so being able to take that knowledge and push it down to each cafeteria and really work with them, because while they're all the same, they're all different. And you really have to work in that kitchen and, and with those people and however their lunch schedule is and however their kitchen is set up and however, you know, to really help them. Yeah. You know, you, it's not like a one mold fits all. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm tweaking the job description a little bit. And, of course, because the job hasn't been filled in eight years, I've got to update the pay scale to it. And so all of that's got to be board approved. And so once that happens, I'll post the job. So well, I will be really looking exciting. for that. Um, hopefully maybe posted around October, November. All right, everybody out there, October, November, keep you your eyes come open. Work for me. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to work for you? I mean, this like we've been friends for gosh, only what like I guess technically like two months, <laughs> two three months, something <laughs> like that. I move fast, but um, just sitting here today and like listening to more of your story and seeing what you're doing here, it's inspirational. I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't want to come be a part of this team because you're doing some really cool things. You believe in your team. You're innovative. You're, you're moving forward, and you're, you're bringing this team with you. And it's impressive. It's really impressive. And I love seeing young directors like step up and lead the way that you, you mean have. Thirty-year-old directors. <laughs> hey, hey, we're still young. We're still young. But yes, thirty-year-old directors. <laughs> I was trying to score some brownie points there. Um, but no, like I'm just like friend to friend. Like I'm proud of you to see what you've well, done, you. and you're killing it. Keep doing it. And thank you so much for just taking this random podcast on a whim and, and chatting with me and and uh, allowing me to share your story because it's truly been an honor. Well, thank you for coming and thank you for having me. Anytime. Till next time. <laughs> <laughs>